You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bet. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you from the Broadway Podcast Network Studios. Thought we would do something a little different for tonight's show. Uh, now that, uh, you know, we're approaching Super Bowl time, we could start to fully turn our attention to baseball season. Got pitchers and catchers reporting in a couple of weeks. And as many of you know, there's been a whole lot going on as we get ready for the 2020 season. And of course, on the Broadway front, we have a whole new slate of shows coming up that I'm definitely excited about. So I've decided to round up some people who I thought could give all you badheads listening at home some great perspective and insight as far as everything that's been going on. Let's do some introductions. Sitting right alongside me is one of the backbones of the Broadway Podcast Network and the host of It's a Broad's Way, batting leadoff. Miss Brittany Bigelow. Oh, God, I'm honored. I didn't know I was getting an introduction. That's what we do around here. It's kind Thank of, you. Kind of par for the course. I'm know? honored. I've never <laughs> been up to bat, so I'll take it. Next, we have someone whose work I've come to know in recent years, not just through her acting career, but also through her expertise on the baseball front. So when you couple those two areas of knowledge, I thought of no one better to help me co-host this episode. Her acting resume spans nearly a decade and a half with credits including... Homeland, Billions, and The Center. And on the baseball side of things, she's recently appeared on MLB Network as a guest contributor, as well as numerous fantasy baseball podcasts. Here she is, Miss Ellen Adair. Hello. Does this mean I'm in the two hole? Yes, that's, that's nice. the best position to hit. You're familiar yeah. with the, the sabermetrics now. That's like yeah. pretty I'm, big deal. I'm into it. I feel, you know, I feel pretty confident that Brittany's going to get on base. Maybe she'll steal base. I don't know. She's got to be speedy if she's the leadoff hitter. If she does, all you got to do is knock a little single to right field. You get her in. Awesome. And I saved this intro for last because there's a large chunk of you out there in the Breakback community who have been with us since last spring when we launched our Chapman on Broadway Instagram and then did our first podcast. It's funny. At the time, we were literally recording the show in my apartment with pizza and a Yankee game on in the background. And, you know, while a lot's changed... I'd like to think that the spirit of our show has remained intact, and this dude's a huge reason for that. So our cleanup hitter tonight is actually the co-founder of Break a Bat. He appeared on our first BPN episode with Angie Schwar, um, and we're really happy to have him back in the studio tonight, and I know he's got a lot in his mind. So if you'll please turn your attention to home plate just beyond the marquee, now batting Scotty Katzman. Yeah, that's right, Al. I'm back. And you know, I'm not very happy with, with what's going on in baseball and Broadway right now. So Al invited me back, and I'm going to talk about the state of baseball and Broadway. And you know how Al does these things. He likes to like recap what's been going on. But unfortunately, what's been going on right now, my two favorite things, is not very good. So don't expect much from... Uh, from I, I know you viewers who like to listen to baseball, and you like to, um, you, you, you know, you like to get some sort of uh, entertainment and uh, maybe some inspiration from what has been happening on your favorite teams. Maybe say the World Series champions, but uh, no, no, that's not what, there's been nothing good going on in baseball as far as I'm concerned, and I'm going to have to break down some of the disgusting 
disgusting, humiliating uh, characteristics of my favorite players that I used to love. So, no, I'm not happy, and then I'm not going to be very happy, okay? Al, is that okay with you? <laughs> you think he's... Al's lead-in had le- led me to believe that that Scotty was, like, maybe the mascot of the Break a Bat podcast, and he's just coming here definitely like that gif of Mr. Met, like, shaking his head. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when maybe I was the mascot, but, uh, yeah, you know, there, there's an inner Met fan, and it's going to come out today. You it know? looks like an outer Met <laughs> fan, too, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you just holding this against Ellen because she's a Phillies fan, Scotty? No, 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 no. See, that's actually not the case. Um, I'm unhappy with one team in particular, and it's not the Phillies. It's the Astros. It's the <laughs> Astros. Okay. Well, yes, I'm a Yankee fan, so I have more. And it's the Red Sox, but that doesn't mean I'm a Yankee fan. So The Dodgers should be sadder than anybody else, Dodgers fans. Let me ask you this question. You think if the Yankees and Dodgers squared off in that World Series, CC Sabathia recently said that he felt that they would have won that World Series. Do you agree? I was raised on a fundamentalist hatred of the Yankees, and so I'm not sure that I can give a totally unbiased answer to that question. What's the reason behind that? Oh, just that the Yankees are the evil empire and that they were always they are- winning when I was growing up and they were always just buying all of the good players and, you know... Now I feel frustrated that they also seem to, you know, somehow always get the upside of whatever trade in addition to buying all of the players. Um, well, like it's sort for of example, crazy that they got Glaber Torres for your man Chapman. I was Chapman. about to like bring it, up Glaber. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Well, you know, Chapman is a, a star. I mean, a superstar. The fastest throwing man to ever grace baseball. So let's, let's, I, I wouldn't say the Yankees won that trade, but uh, Glaber's okay. He's all right. I mean, they got Chapman back, so like they did win him. Yeah, I mean, very, very good move. Trade. Very yeah. good move by the Yankees right there. Ah, uh, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and now the, the Yankee fan ratio is not in your favor anymore, Al. Uh, NL- <laughs> Ellen, I know it's been a while since you've come to Broadway. Did you know that Araldus Chapman is Broadway's favorite Yankee? I did not know that. Explain the backbone of that, Scotty. Well, I mean, we can go all the way back to the speed of fastballs, which is, uh, it's an original piece by Al and I that uh, it replaces Chapman into the sound of music. So every single number in the sound of music is based off Chapman and his fastball. Fastballs um, on corners and grounders to second. Like, that's right. Like that. Yeah. Yep. yep. I'm in favor. Yeah. In favor. So uh, <laughs> he really, uh, there's something very theatrical about his performance that I think sticks with a lot of Broadway fans. And, you know, that and the fact that he's a Yankee here in New York, um, uh, he's really crossed over beyond just baseball and sports in general, and now he's entered the theatrical realm. Ellen, when you watched Game 6 of the ALCS last year, I mean, you saw that little schmirk on his face, and, you know, knowing what we know now about the Astros, do we think that was like, damn, they knew what was coming? What, what, let, what's your take on all of that? Well, I think that there's no evidence that the Astros were stealing signs this past year, despite the whole sort of uh, controversy, uh, Twitter controversy almost created by the fake Carlos Beltran's niece account that they were wearing buzzers underneath their jerseys. There is no evidence to substantiate that. And I would also maybe point to the fact that they didn't end up winning any of their home games in the World Series as maybe, um, I don't know, corroborating factor to the fa- to to the notion that they were not stealing signs this past season. So I mean, m- maybe they were, but there's no evidence that they were. I think the only the only thing that we have evidence for is 2017. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting argument if you look at their World Series. Didn't necessarily favor them at home. I mean, they obviously did worse. They lost. But you you do have a lot of evidence pointing towards what happened in 2017. And I don't think that there's... I mean, it's it's completely possible that nothing changed. There was no repercussions after 2017. And it's hard to say. But what we can look at are videos where there's a loud boom coming from the dugout. Um, and it just doesn't look good. And you you combine that with the fact that Astros players now just aren't very guilty. Um, Bregman obviously brushing off any accusations just doesn't look good. Altuve's comments, I think, were even worse, um, in my opinion. Just pointing towards the next World Series isn't really 
a good way to hang hold your head hang your hat hang your hat <laughs> Neither yeah. of those hold things. your head <laughs> <laughs> well it's not a very good way to behave you know he should be a little more guilty and uh i don't know i'm just not very happy with the astros and i think it's completely possible just based off their behavior and the way they've been answering these these what should be very serious um interviews they're they're so like unofficial like there should be some sort of press conference that clearly um like like i wanted to be like interrogated with like a bright light in their faces you know i think they were and i think that that's where the you know that's where i, I wanted to be more from, i wanted to be more like humiliating a public yeah thing yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of, I think, what's been negotiated in exchange for them telling the story of what happened is basically that they get immunity. And so that's why we've got yeah. what we've got now. This is all we get. Here's what pisses me off is that in the 2017 ALCS, you notice how the Yankees and Astros squared off. Houston won all of their games at Minute Maid Park, yet they couldn't win here on Broadway. Okay. And the games that we lost that in Houston were close games. They were decided by one run. Um, in game one, and they were decided by one run in game two. And even in game six, it was a heavyweight, uh, you know, so Houston ran away with it a little bit. When you look at the legacy of a lot of those players on the Astros, which is largely connected to that 2017 World Championship, Altuve, for example, what do you think about his Hall of Fame chances after going through this this whole scandal? I mean, really, even if he continues his current pace, he's a, a fringe Hall of Famer at best versus Bonds, who's, I mean... Putting aside the fact that he did cheat the greatest baseball player ever. So I think that there's a ridiculous, misguided viewpoint on players that cheated where they're all kind of lumped together. Bond's just a freak athlete, so you can't really say he would have been great without steroids. But I think most people would make that argument. It's just hard to say definitively what his career numbers would have been. But I mean, look at what he did early on with his, I mean, his steals numbers were insane. He um, he was a 400-400 player through 98, and then I guess the steroid use allegedly started in 99. The thing I mean, about he was pretty jacked in 96, too. Um, that was his 40-40 year. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, he was crushing it. In the, look up um, his, was it the 96 home run derby? Where he was doing push-ups in between, uh, <laughs> in between his at-bats? He was pretty jacked, so... It's hard to say when he started, but steroids were big in the 90s, and I don't know what, what these... But steroids are not the only way that a guy is, like, big and strong and able to hit home runs, you know? I feel yeah, like there's this false equivalency that, like, oh, just because they took steroids, like, if I took steroids, all of a sudden I could hit home runs. There's no way that that could happen. Like, they had to be tremendously talented. And so that's, what's, that's what makes it sad for me is, is that they, you know, they'd be Hall of Famers if they had never done anything to cheat, in my opinion. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The thing, the dilemma that I see here for the voters is there was a lot of talk about. Derek Jeter, who was inducted almost uh, unanimously, giving him his moment in the sun. And they didn't want to associate Bonds and Clemens and all the baggage that came with them uh, alongside Jeter's moment. What is going to be interesting is, because they only have two years left on the ballot, is that you have Big Poppy making his debut uh, in two years, which will be the last year that Bonds and Clemens are on the Yeah, ballot. he's got some steroids hanging over his head. And here's the thing, Big Poppy's beloved by the media right now. Yeah, but he did, he did how take do you, a bullet. So. How do you check Poppy 
on your ballot and not Bonds and Clemens. I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that I'd let Bonds and Clemens in, you know? And I guess that's just because I don't have some sort of, like, keep the hall small dogma about it. I feel like if somebody was really uh, influential in a good way in the game of baseball, they should be a part of the Hall of Fame. But I, that's, that's just my opinion. Um, and I'm not necessarily angry at people voting the way that they vote. But if I had a vote, like, I'd, I'd vote them in. Um, I feel like to your point was really good. Maybe there should just be like one class that everybody's kind of ashamed of and just like scoot Kurt Schilling in there also and just be like, this is the class that we don't really want to talk about. I mean, Kurt Schilling (laughs) has some pretty phenomenal numbers in the postseason. And uh, I loved him so much when I was a child. You know what I mean? I had no idea he was going to like I was going to grow up and he was going to start collecting Nazi memorabilia. I had no idea. But like in a way. I'd let him into the Hall of Fame, too. Like, you know, he was part of three World Series winning teams, and he was a big reason that the the Phillies made it to the series in 93 when I was a kid and adored him. So, Yeah, well, to be fair, I am a big fan of players who don't really care what their public image is after they retire. And Schilling just has no filter, so we're going to have to give him credit because he was a crazy player on the field, and he's continued that kind of behavior off the field. He just didn't take no for an answer. He was vicious on the mound. And he was, I mean, he's an athlete. So he was a very aggressive player who I think could definitely be admitted into the Hall of Fame just based on his stats um, and based on his postseason performance. But now there is a dogma about him that I think is going to be very negative to these uh, to these writers. Um, and now there's a lot of writers publishing their ballots, that's not going to help them at all either because now you're making a political statement every time you admit a player. And then you look at players like Mariano who are now unanimous because no one wants to say no. I think the Hall of Fame voting has changed in the past few years. And I think that, I mean, I was surprised to see that Derek Jeter wasn't even unanimous. But I I could see somebody just being like, he's going to get in. And so I'm going to just vote for somebody that that I'm worried that they'll fall off the ballot. I could see myself doing that. Is that why J.J. Putz got a vote on the ballot? <laughs> Ibanez? You know what? I like about. seeing J.J. Oh, Putz's Raul. name around. So <laughs> it doesn't have to go in, but it's, you know, it's nice. Every There's like once a year when we get a look back on J.J. Putz's career. Say, yeah, he wasn't quite a Hall of Famer, but he was pretty good. But he was a good player. He was good. He yeah. was solid. He was, you know what? I, I think most fans would not object to him going into the Hall of Fame, even though he doesn't deserve it. Ellen, I have a quick question for you. How did you become the actress who is also an expert on baseball? Well, I was just raised on baseball. Um, my parents are both uh, academics who uh, study art. My mom's an art historian, and my dad is, uh, uh, well, he's now retired, but he's a folklore professor, and he's still gallivanting around the world and interviewing artists and writing books. And uh, so it's not that they were in the world of sports, but they're both baseball fans. Um, And I just grew up going to baseball games and to basketball games. And I think that for that reason, like I wasn't raised to think that there was any distinction between kinds of entertainment So, you know, when I was three years old, my parents would take me to a Shakespeare play and they would also take me to a baseball game. And these are just, you know, it's both kinds of drama that we enjoy and we enjoy as a family to to talk about and to analyze. So uh, I I grew up being a baseball fan and um, I played softball a little bit when I was a kid. And it was, I mean... It's been in my adulthood, however, that I've gone into, I call it my unhealthy love of baseball. Um, And uh, it sort of feels like every year in the last 10 years, I've just kind of gone deeper and deeper into the the recesses of my baseball fandom. Um, And I think that that came almost from a place of liking to have something that uh, that, that is a hobby that isn't me making something. It's just me enjoying something, you know? So most of my other hobbies, I like to write, I like to draw, um, obviously like actors, 
it's almost hard to have hobbies because our professions are so all-consuming and it's so easy for your every waking thought to be about that because your entertainment is also, oh, I'm going to watch a television show and think about acting. Like, I can't watch a TV show without thinking about acting. It's my favorite thing to do, watch a television show and think about acting. But like, there I am thinking about acting. Yeah, it is. It, it probably would feel a little judgmental, I would imagine, to watch a TV show as an actor and um, and watch, you know, performances by these other actors. I like to think of it as like analytical more than judgmental. Like, I'm just thinking like, oh, like, why did they make those choices? Or, you know, as a writer also thinking like, why did they make the choice to like structure this scene after that scene? Um, right. So yeah, I, it's hard to kind of like turn my brain off for that. Um, and I think that that's why I kind of um, returned to my love of baseball. It's I guess it's more it's a little bit more than ten years. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of like every every year I've gone farther and farther into it, and I started playing fantasy baseball and. Uh, well, that's a deep hole right it is, there. <laughs> it is a deep hole. And I'm like relatively new to fantasy baseball. I think uh, 2015 was, or maybe 2016. I can't even remember. It was my first year playing fantasy baseball. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden people are asking me to be on podcasts and that like, that just feels crazy to me, but I'm happy to do it. Britt, let me ask you, could we potentially have like a fantasy Broadway league? Like what would you do? Like if you had, if if you're familiar with fantasy sports? I am, but what would you fantasize with a Broadway league? Like, like what, a Tony's thing? Yeah, it could be based on, how would we do that? Not- <laughs> oh, dude, this is going to be, I mean, I guess you would have like certain cat, you would have to first pick your categories <laughs> of like how you would, I don't know, judge, rate. Like how would you like score a performance. So you have like or a show. Ha- you would you would draft shows. That actually makes sense. I mean, that's the Tonys. Yeah, but I guess, is, yeah, but is this yeah, based and then, on and who gets like the most what Tonys? wins the Tony? We, yeah, because you need They've you need something it. that's like like kind of objective. My husband and I have talked about if we did like a fantasy Top Chef draft because we're <laughs> obsessed with Top Chef. Yes, totally. And we have talked through the logistics of that. But like somebody comes out at the end of the season as the winner, and then you know, okay. Whoever drafted the winner ends up winning the fantasy top chef league. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Think about with baseball, though. The MVP is not always necessarily the best player. So just because you win the Tony Award for best actor or actress, in my opinion, doesn't necessarily mean that you had the best performance because it's very political, just like the MVP in Cy Young races. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's harder with talent that is you could hear a voice and decide if you think it's amazing and someone else can hear the voice and say, yeah, it's not my cup of tea. It's to this. It's to that. I think in sports, like, you know, I'm going to talk football because I don't know baseball, but like everyone knows (laughs) a good catch in football. Like anyone can watch like a playback and you're like, oh, that was good. I, I think it's all much more subjective and like an art form. So maybe fantasy could be like a fun, like pick a movie and do like a fantasy draft or fantasy cast of a show. But yeah, I'd be curious. I don't it would know. be it would be weird for sure, but I don't think it's yeah. impossible. No, you'd need some kind of a scoring thing though. Yeah, and so maybe like winning a Tony is just some points towards your person that you drafted, but not everything. Sellout shows, like attendance, stage door. People lined up for the stage door for a certain performance. Yeah, could, we'll, we'll just have to send like someone with a clipboard to take notes. Tally That's them. demographic yeah. too, though. That's stage true. door is like totally demographic based, <laughs> and like true. what how the show reaches you know people who will wait in the cold or the rain, and whether or not the people in it have been on TV. Totally, or if the show, yeah, reached the masses or teenagers because they're mostly you know young people who are thrilled to be there, which is a great thing. But there are a lot of shows with old broads out there. <laughs> we shouldn't rate them the same way. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Britt, it's pretty cool because you have a stage background. Ellen, yeah. you have a television background. Britt, did you ever, you know, being here in New York, you have a lot of access to a lot of studios that do a lot of pilots and whatnot. Did you ever catch the TV book? I think every Broadway actor probably wants like a TV film moment. It's also a shorter amount of time most of the time for a larger paycheck. Um, not that it's about the money, but it's not bad. Um, so I think every, you know, I think actors like to 
cross that border as much as they can. It's also a totally different process. So I think as much as you can play like in both worlds, it only enhances like what you do in your primary time anyway. Um, but I would be interested to find a Broadway actor who didn't want a quick little TV and film go. <laughs> like, find me one. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, in my mind, like I just compare the two, um, like stage acting and screen acting to Italian and French. And maybe that's just because those are the two languages that I like. That's sort actually of speak. interesting though. But but I feel like it, it kind of works. So they're related. There are cognates. If you know how to speak one, it's going to help you speak the other one. On the other hand, if you spend all your time just speaking the one language, you're going to go back to the other language and be like, oh, wait, wait, no, what's the word for this? Like, does it relate to the word in Italian for this or not? Yeah. So it's like a weird uh, kind of code, code switching, I guess. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Scotty, you seem pretty quiet. Is that because of that Phillies hat in front of uh, Ellen right now? Are you are you thinking about the <laughs> well, Luis Rojas hiring for the Mets uh, managerial position? I mean, right if now? you uh, okay, Luis so, Alou. You know, <laughs> yeah. First of all, I'm a big fan of the Alou extended family, so I'm happy with Rojas. But he's he's going to be the type of player, the type of manager that lets the players do what they want as long as the Wilpons don't interject. And so we're going to have to wait and see how the Wilpons play this because they have four more years, really five more years of controlling this team. Um, I'm counting the days, but... We all are. <laughs> it, hopefully he's he's the good manager that leaves the pitcher in. All I want him to do is just let the pitchers pitch. Callaway didn't do that. He went to the bullpen right away, and that was the downfall of the Mets this year as the bullpen got overused, and they got worn out. Um, so as long as you can leave the players in and let them play, we're not really going to have a problem. I won't have an issue with Rojas. Me and him will be on good terms, but hopefully, I mean, it's really hard to say. It's, it's super hard to say right now. He's, he's an insider, but he's a newbie to this sort of position. So, I mean, I think the thing that's great about Rojas is that the position that he had this past year with the Mets was basically as a conduit. I know he had a a different like quality control coach or something was his title. But like, that's exactly what all teams actually want in their coach is somebody who can take analytical information and explain it to the players in a way that they can use. And that was his whole job. So, I mean, yes, absolutely. We'll see. Um, But I don't know that the Mets might have ended up, you know, making a silk purse out of a Sal's Carlos Beltran. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It certainly was like the most Mets thing of all time. Uh, to kind of have to suffer from the whole sign-stealing scandal without ever having right. personally benefited from a stolen sign. They, they literally <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the Red have, Sox yeah. and the Astros stole some signs and have had a lot of fallout from it, but at least they won World Series. It's like, oh, <laughs> the Mets, they just yeah, lost I mean, their manager. We're used to not winning World Series, but we're not used to having... I mean, I, you know what? We are used to this. We've always been in a position where we've had to make some ridiculous last-minute change going into spring training. So that's not new at all. But having Beltron in the thick of it, I mean— Well, he I, was I, really patient zero yeah. for the whole thing. Because there were all these rumors that, like, oh, the, the sign-stealing scheme was hatched by a veteran player who had learned— to steal signs on another team and was struggling in April. And it's like, who was that on the Astros? Oh, Carlos Beltran. It, it didn't look good. So, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of feel like that's that's one of the reasons that he was the only player named in that report was because he probably, they found that like he kind of instigated the whole thing. And since he's not a current player, 
they they were kind of like, well, even though we can't, you know, technically reprimand him by suspending him or something like that, we're I, I mean, they, put that information out there so that the Mets yeah. will do something about it. Yep, yep. And he did end up apparently lying to BV Dubs. So throw that in there. <laughs> But what's what's the most ridiculous about this is that they decided that they can't reprimand players. I think they should. I think something should happen to these players, and nothing is going to. It's really unfortunate. Even with the whole buzzer thing thrown in there, which I guess didn't have any. I don't know. I don't know what their what their word for it was, but they found no evidence of the buzzers. So they're going to brush that aside, and they're going to stick with what they originally decided with the whole 2017 allegation, which includes keeping their title and includes keeping um, Altuve's MVP. So. I mean, how do we look back on this? I mean, are fans going to consider this a great team? They were definitely the greatest comeback story, at least of this decade, obviously, but one of the greatest in the history of baseball. To go from being so bad in 2013 to so dominant, and you take the reasons that we had been telling ourselves for the past few years, which is that they have this analytical department that's completely unparalleled, and you look at other other instances, like, for example, when the the Cardinals tread... The, the Cardinals tried to um, infiltrate the analytic program of the Astros. Like, how how do you judge a team that, I mean, yes, they were the victim of that, but they were such a, like, a feel-good story that had baseball so captivated for for years. And you, you just turn it all on its head in two short months. You know who you got to be angry at is Manfred. Manfred was... Manfred knew about this as far back as 2017, and he was trying to cover his ass. Manfred was worried about the fact that baseball was already losing television ratings. And then, of course, you know, we saw what happened with the baseball in 2019. Even 2018, there was a record number of home runs. In 2019, we shattered it and then some. Rob Manfred took the place of Bud Selig, who had his own issues, but once baseball started to lose a lot of young viewers and, you know, all of a sudden he's criticizing Mike Trout for not having his priorities in line. That didn't well, look good either. And now all of a sudden you're just going to start wheeling out these suspensions to try to cover your ass. That pisses me off. I that, mean, we've been told that Manfred was very vehement in his like discussions with these teams during the whole allegation or during the whole scandal because um, he knew that there was something going on with sign stealing, and apparently there wasn't enough evidence to like s- to point to a specific player. Um, so it was hard to like really suspend someone during all this. But um, he's met with multiple teams. Obviously, he's told them like the sign stealing has got to stop, guys. And yeah, I guess he's like the guy that no one has to listen to mm-hmm. because I mean players have been getting away with it at least for a few years. So it's like kind of like it is kind of like the ball issue out because we know something is going on with the ball and he's just going to keep playing dumb regarding the record number of home runs. Yeah. So, I mean, Al, Manfred is just going to keep playing dumb, I think, because we, we look at like what's happened with the ball and how he's told, you know, teams and he's told fans that nothing is nothing has changed with the ball, despite MLB buying Rawlings and, ch- and uh, like changing their factory i mean he's done some ridiculous things like he's got tricks up his sleeve so i agree that like to me i'm i'm personally i'm more concerned about two things um than i am about sign stealing which obviously like the notion of sign stealing without technology is an allowed part of the game and also there's a like very long history of of illegal sign stealing Mm -hmm. in baseball doesn't make it okay, but it's not like the 2017 Astros were the first team to ever try to do this. That's gamesmanship. Yeah. I mean, except for that there there's, cause I was, I was just trying to remember the name of the, of the pitcher who came out recently about the 1980 White Sox having like, you know, relaying, they had a camera trained on the catcher and there was like a light on the scoreboard that would go on to let let the players know um but because it's sort of distant to us it's just like oh that's funny and and that the when the when the giants won the the pennant in was that 1950 this sort of like 51 without ralph franco yes yeah that apparently that there are like illegal sign stealing allegations for that team. I mean, I just, I have to like come out and be honest that in the 19th century, the Phillies 
uh, had a couple of different sign stealing schemes. One of them like using a telegraph and the other one using like somebody stood on some kind of like contraption that buzzed. And anyway, well, <laughs> and like, it's hilarious to us, right? Cause it's the 19th century, but that, 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 you know, teams have been trying to do this the whole time. And I feel like to me, it's very obvious that now we have the technology that we need to solve this problem with technology and just have the have the catcher and the pitcher have a way to communicate via technology so that there's nothing that like that can be spied by the naked eye. And like, oh no, that will take out the aspect of the game where a, a batter on second base could try to look in at the signs. But I feel like that's not that big of a deal. But to me, a bigger deal is is the baseballs. And and I was actually totally willing to believe that it was um, like incompetence on the part of of MLB, and they just like were like, well, I don't know, like I like let's we're gonna make our own baseballs now, so like let's see what that's like. You almost want to believe that. that you almost yeah. want to believe that until yeah. the 2019 postseason, when all of a sudden the balls just aren't flying out of the park like they were the whole year, and they're like, oh, they're the same baseballs. <laughs> no. Like clearly everybody, everybody's reacting to the, to the contact off of the bat being like, yeah, we, when we hear that, we know where that's going and then it's dying on the warning track. And so like, that was the moment when I was like, this, this definitely feels nefarious to me. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously Manfred's issue with baseball's declining viewership was the lack of production out of like teams. Well, you had that like dead ball period of 2013 and 2014. There was like. So, like, yeah, the extent our, our the players aren't like really strong home runs, anymore. If that, uh, yeah, I mean, 2012 is like the lowest year for home runs. 12, 2012 was bad, but yeah, then 13, thir- 2014 was like the lowest runs runs per game stat that we've had in quite some time. Then all of a sudden, spiked up a little bit. Yeah, in 15, so. then 16, they're challenging the record for most home runs in the season with 2000, and then it just kind of snowballed to where what you had last year. And it's like you have to ask yourself. You know, is Mitch Garver really a 50 home run pace player for 2020? This guy was like a journeyman, like, you know, quadruple A catcher his entire career. I, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, seriously. Now, I, you mentioned your Phillies earlier. Uh, now you've got a guy who established himself on Broadway, both as, I guess, Brittany, in the Broadway term, someone who was a player and then managed, I guess we could say, like an actor and then a director. I guess we could we could say that. Like manage. Well, he went from being a catcher to being the manager of the Yankees. Oh, yeah. Or well, the producer, I guess. I guess the producer. Yeah. It's kind of like a Dory. Because maybe the coach <laughs> would be the director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Joe Girardi now is the manager of Ellen's Philadelphia Phillies. So Ellen, what do you Go think Phillies. about the <laughs> I have no idea. That works for me. <laughs> I'm really excited. He's a nice marriage of an analytical mindset and the kind of more old school baseball dude that the Phillies were clearly going to bring in. Yeah. And I mean, even like Met fans and like, I wasn't really one of those people really wanted Girardi, which is a little weird to me because I mean, I, it would feel so weird having Girardi manage the Mets. Well, you guys had Willie Randolph manage the yeah. Mets. Yeah. Uh, Randolph is cool. Okay. He's got the cool factory. I, I wouldn't <laughs> say Girardi has that. But you don't like his nicknames for players like Hixie and Cokie and yeah, Husey. They're, they're not. It's like he gave a little bit of thought into them. Think but about not enough. Think about Gabe this. Gabe Kapler's were equally bad. What were Gabe Kapler's? Because I'm going to raise I mean, you no matter what like, you say. What you'd expect if you like had two seconds to come up yeah. with, yeah. Uh, with a nickname yeah. for a player. Give me an example. Knowles for Nola. Okay. Andrew. You know Andrew Jones was Jonesy. Andrew Knapp was nappy. Okay, so I think there's a pattern here. You just add E to the end. It feels it feels like like bad writing, like when you read a script and and the the characters call each other by their names too often and have like bad nicknames for each other that you're like, nobody would really do that in life. That's that's what Gabe Kapler's nicknames. The worst was Girardi with Chase Headley and Ronald Torres. And, you know, he'd be reading the lineup. It would be like, we've got head and toe at third and short. It's like, <laughs> like, how the hell are we supposed to know who head and toe are? And it's like, it's just easier to say head and toe. It's like, the last name is Headley. How, how, it's one extra syllable. Is it that much harder to I say I feel that? like head, you definitely know who that is, though, right? Toe, like, could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. Could be somebody <laughs> named, like, Thomas. Like, it could it just... Yeah. 
I mean, if you really think about it, if you go through the roster, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Torres, okay. But it takes, it takes you a second. <laughs> you know what, though? Girardi had a, uh, a okay time with the Yankees. I don't think Yankee fans are very fond looking back on him. Um, Al, you could probably step in here and tell me what like your your thoughts are during that whole era. But um, well, if it weren't for the Houston Astros, he might still be. Yeah, he might still have the job. Yes. Although they said that they would have fired him even if they won the 2017 World Series. I don't necessarily believe that it would have been a very tough move. My thoughts on that are: um, I don't like how he handled the media. He was like a clenched fist in every press conference. However, he did have a difficult task of managing aging stars on the way out, which I do think was a strong suit of his. He, he was able to stand up to Posada. He stood up to A-Rod a couple times. I think that he is good with those types of players. I think with the Phillies, it's going to be interesting because you have a lot of guys right in the middle of their peak. You don't have a ton of young players, which I do think was one of his... One of the reasons why he got fired with the Yankees was that they, his lack of communication skills with you know Sanchez and his, uh, Judge and some of those younger guys that they had coming up through the system. They were kind of concerned about that. I think with that demographic, with the Phillies, as far as the guys that you have, Nola's been around for a little while now. Harper's a star. He's been around for a while now. I know, I guess, in age, he's probably, what, 27 years old? I think that he could do decently with a team like that. I am curious to see though who's going to get through the atlanta braves because that's actually my pick for the pennant this year in the national league well yeah i mean after that ozuna signing that's really big for them yeah i mean i think that the braves were sort of like every everybody's pick for the pennant um but i think that that was under the assumption that they would um do something more at their third base position than they have. On the other hand, I feel like Azuna fills the same place in their lineup, even if they are rolling out some combination of Camargo or Austin Riley. Do you catch a lot of Broadway when you're here in New York? Um, I definitely see some Broadway shows. I don't know what your definition of a lot is. Like, I definitely go to a lot of baseball games. I don't know that I see a lot of Broadway shows. Um, but yeah, I've... I. The, over for the last half of a year, I've barely been in New York. So I think the last thing that I saw on Broadway was um, betrayal. But I, I definitely, I definitely see a, a few shows on Broadway every year. And there are some years where, like, I see a bunch. Kind of depends on how much time and money I have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of time that you get in New York, and you have to allocate it really however you can. Um, but there's a lot of time to do things like go to Broadway and go to baseball and, you know, do a bunch of crazy stuff that uh, you can't really do anywhere else. But for me, there's only one show that I really want to see. Um, and it's Beetlejuice. And I've, <laughs> unfortunately, I've already seen it once and it's, and it's losing its time on stage to the music man. So I can't do that anymore. I can't go see Beetlejuice. Which is pretty soul crushing, because it's, it's the only play. I, it's the only musical I care about. No, for my entire life. Oh, you just want to see it consistently. Yeah, I love over that. And over. Shout nice. out to Beetlejuice. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I had a great say, time with Beetlejuice. Who's to say they won't find a new home? I hope so. Scotty, who's your favorite of Beetlejuice? Well, it's Carrie Butler. Oh wow, it, it's Carrie Butler. I mean, yes, Carrie Butler, of course, obviously. Well, I mean, awesome. it, it's pretty difficult when you have, a, you know, this isn't like baseball where your team is always going to be there, whether or not they suck and no one goes to the games. You get booted from Broadway. Mm. It's it's like a cutthroat, you know. So even if you do have a favorite, it won't always be there. And you really have to cherish those moments when your favorite show is playing. It just doesn't apply to uh, to baseball. Me as a Med fan, I can go any day of the week. It's not the same players, though. You That's true. You get, that way, you get some really like, random players on the fit. Mets. <laughs> Sometimes you do. Britt, you've seen Beetlejuice? I have. I had a blast. How great. I know. I had a bunch of friends tell me about it beforehand, and they were like, it's really good. And I went to go see it by myself. And I sat there. I was like, it's really <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. No, it is. I was very yeah. caught off guard by it um, and very excited for the whole team and the cast with the resurgence of it. So you always want that for, you know— your teammates. Mm-hmm. 
I got you with the baseball yeah. reference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm catching on, we folks. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wait, wait. I want, I'm curious here, since you've both seen the show. You haven't seen it yet, Ellen? I haven't seen it, no. You have till June. I'm curious for both of you, because I do love that soundtrack. Yeah. For both of you, give me your favorite song in Beetlejuice. Oh, I kind of go back and forth on a few. You could go first. Well, for me, it's Barbara 2.0, so. Did you know that song was new? Post, you have to listen to Deep Dive Broadway with our main gal, Dory Berenstein, but they talk about the development of the show. You're going to love it. Um, That's pretty cool. <laughs> I go kind of back and forth between like, I think that soundtrack is pretty solid. You know which one I love? Yeah, lay and it on me. Listen to me. Of course, Deo. Yeah. Oh, what a scene to go into intermission. That's the best. It's a good uh, finisher for act one. That it's is a solid. one of the best yeah, parts classic. of the film. Yeah. 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 They do a good job on stage with it. And Jumping the Line was good too. Bar- Barbara 2.0 though, I know is special for you though, Scott. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think they replaced the original song or something like that with that. Well, that's good. Um, and it brought tears to my eyes. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, I love that. Scotty's a big fan of belting. That's like, <laughs> I think, what it is. Yeah, it's that, uh, you know, and, and I think there's that athletic crossover. Like, there's some pun there or something, but uh, something about putting everything, like, on the line, you know? It, it really applies. It did apply to that moment in the, in, in the story, actually, come to think of it, so... I, I see the parallel. Yeah, way to bring it all together. Yeah. That's nice. What I, that's what Good I'm here job. for, yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> for the callback. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ellen, do you have anything exciting going on that you could tell us about? Well, um, I am going to be on an episode of NCIS New Orleans. Uh, Scotty went to school at Tulane. I, I did it. And see, now you have your NOLA necklace. I do. I know it, it kind of is about Aaron Nola. It's it's mostly about Aaron Nola. Okay. But it is it is also about New Orleans. I really love New Orleans. Yeah. It's just a great place. It's it's I think it's the coolest city in the United States. Yeah. I think I mean I love New York. I love New York so much. It is my home. But New Orleans is really cool. New Orleans is so cool. Uh well, you should definitely catch a New Orleans baby cakes game. That's the minor league yeah, team there. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, the only times that I've been to, uh, I, I did in fact know, know that um, because I have an unhealthy love of baseball. That's right. But uh, the, uh, the only times that I've been to New Orleans have been uh, in the fall after the baseball season, sadly. Um, I would love to. I would love to go back. Uh, well, oh, wait, Beetlejuice reference. So think about this. If you ever want to go back, Scotty, could be your guide. He'll be your G-U-I-D-E to the... To New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> right? That's good. You got to see Beetlejuice to understand. Did I just break my microphone with that big chuckle? Oh, you're Brit? good. I'm good? <laughs> I, we got a safety net here. You're good. Amazing. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. So you're going to be in NCIS and... Uh, That'll be at the February 23rd, I believe. Yes. I got to find out who, but I knew there are a lot of people that were in my film program at Tulane who actually work on the show. Oh. So. It was the nicest crew. Yeah. It was really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're great people. Yeah. Yeah. So. so good. And you have a little passion project, I understand, in the works? Yes, that's right. Um, I'm also uh, working on a uh, television show. Well, I'm writing a television show with my friend, Chris Carfizzi from Billions. Um about sports writers, about baseball writers, let's be real. Do you personally know a lot of sports writers? I think I am personally friends, like good friends with maybe one. Uh, do they know Marlon Abreu? Anytime you're on the beat in the MLB, it's a very difficult job. But here in New York, there are a lot of beat writers that have to... Marlon Abreu is kind of like the glue that holds it to, together. He, for a lot of the Yankees, he's the Spanish interpreter. Yeah, that's well. right. I mean, we all know Marlon Abreu. I mean, he, the, the interpreter of the Yankees is a pretty big deal. I'm no. sure that some of them do know Marlon. Yeah. We're huge fans of him, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Is, is he your celebrity crush? I mean, Chapman is my celebrity okay. crush. Yeah. yeah. Scott Fransky is my celebrity crush. He's the uh, Phillies uh, radio play by play guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. You know, I do wish a, a lot of luck to your Phillies this year. Thank you. I think they might need it. And Ellen, where can everyone find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Ellen underscore Adair on Twitter uh, or Ellen Adair G 
That's just the letter G on Instagram. And Brittany, where can everyone find you and It's a Broad's Way? Thanks. You can find me at Brittany M. Bigelow and also It's a Broad's Way on Instagram. And Scotty, where can everyone find you? Uh, my my Instagram is ghostfacescuda with an underscore in the middle. This was really fun. Well, thank you for being so gracious, even though I told you that I had a fundamentalist hatred of your team. <laughs> <laughs> That'll close out the ball game. This is Al Malafrante signing off for Break a Bat. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.